What up? This is Yinka Diz. Peace. This is Outlaw. And you're listening to the 80s Babies Podcast. And today we're back with another tribute. This time it's 20 years for the debut album of DMX, it's Earl dark. Simmons. And it's hell dark. is hot. It's dark. <laughs> <laughs> it's dark and hell is hot, released May 12th, 1998. Right. This was a really big year in hip-hop in general. We cannot discuss this year without discussing this album in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, this artist, DMX, yeah, he was all over 1998. Oh, yeah. In fact, I would have to say, even though I don't think that this is the best album to come out from that year, even though mm-hmm. I don't think he was the best artist to really make a stamp on hip-hop that year, um, we already covered Big Pun. We'll be right. covering Jay-Z later. I think that he was probably one of the more influential MCs yeah. to really be, you know, to really come out uh, definitely that year. Being that this is kind of a tribute, I probably shouldn't start on this note, but um, I have have made mention, especially with regard to Jay Z, that certain artists kind of benefited from Biggie and Pac not being with us anymore mm-hmm. in 1998. Right. And I think DMX was the biggest beneficiary of the void that came from us not having Pac and Biggie anymore. I can certainly see that. Yeah, and I, yeah. I think like this album gives you like every every reason why. You know, I mean, he DMX was like before you really really had image artists. I guess with the exception of Biggie, I think Biggie, especially when we got Life After Death, Puff did a really good job of giving us a curated image of Biggie, mm-hmm. the Mafia Don, who was X, Y, and Z. Right. But DMX was like one of those complete total package artists that it's just like. You know, he hit and it was just boom. Everything that you needed, all all the pieces were in place. So, okay. So, should we just get into the where were you? Yeah, let's do it. Obviously, we just did the where where was I recently when we covered Big Pun. But mm-hmm. again, this is at the time when I'm full on Wu Tang. I mean, that's all I'm listening uh, okay. to. Yeah. I haven't even gotten into the roots yet. I haven't even gotten into Biggie yet. I haven't mm-hmm. even gotten into the old school artists like Rakim, mm-hmm. KRS One. I haven't gotten into any of that stuff. You know, mm-hmm. Most Def and To Live Kweli, they're coming around the corner. I am Wu-Tang 100%. That okay. is all I'm listening to. Okay. But I go to school mm-hmm. and I'm around other people who are listening to DMX and listening to all the other things. Mm-hmm. And so I hear it. I see it. I mean, he's everywhere. Right. And, you know, his single coming out. Where my dog's at, that hits the airwaves, and that joint's hot. I like it. Yeah. And the other joint, Rough Riders Anthem. Yeah. That's a big one, right? Right, right. We had parties in high school, and DMX was really big. And so, you know, that's pretty much where I was. I never really got into DMX when he came out. Mm. I was never really feeling him. Mm. I respected him. I didn't have any negative perceptions about him. Okay. I just wasn't listening to that. I recognized then that I was like... I would rather spend my time listening to other music, the music that I was listening to, getting right. into all that Wu-Tang, than mm-hmm. hear something new from this artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so pretty much that's just where I was. So even though I was around the time and, and, mm-hmm. and I got all the hype, in terms of actually absorbing the music itself, I wasn't really present for this album. Okay. How about you? How about you? I'm obviously Biggie, bad boy, hardcore. I'm in what was this middle school still or this is like the beginning yeah this is mi- still middle school like eighth grade I think for me right I also remember being into Nori I remember okay. that that I think this was around the time of the NORE album he had Super Thug mm-hmm. I'm I'm getting introduced to the Neptune sound I really liked that I remember listening to the, what 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 all the time and then this album like you know me hearing like Get at Me Dog and those records were just like right in that lane. 
this guy took the world by storm. I think he did. I mean, yeah. And um, the timing was perfect for me. Like it was right in the time when I was like really, really super duper into hip hop, trying to get my hands on anything. Mm-hmm. And when he came, I heard Get At Me Dog. It was incredible. It had someone from the locks on it. So I'm obviously already right. receptive to it. And then this album was just boom. It was huge for me. I'm curious. You know, this is a Def Jam album, yep. but I feel like Dame Grease is all over this album, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Dame Grease was more of a bad boy producer, correct? Or no? No. Um, Dame Grease actually wasn't really huge yet. The reason why Dame Grease, you, you think of him as a yeah. bad boy producer is because he's from Harlem and uh, he grew up with why? Mace. So okay. he did like a lot of the Harlem World stuff. Not Harlem World, the album, but when Mace later had the group Harlem World with his sister and Ed and all of the, his brother and all that. Okay. The, he, Dame Grease did a lot of their stuff. He did stuff for Max B, all right. uh, et cetera. But yeah, this was Dame Grease's coming out party okay. too. So we could talk about that later. All right. So yeah, there's a lot of albums that came out around this time. We've already talked about mm-hmm. 1998 is a big year. Yeah. How much time did this album in particular spend in your rotation? Too much. Too much. Yeah. I'll say, though, that we talk about how some years kind of skew early and late. Mm-hmm. I think 98 was a late year. Um, okay. And we're going to, obviously, we're going to, we're going to talk about Ruckus. We're going to talk yeah. about the Outcast album that dropped mm-hmm. this year. We're going to mm-hmm. talk about all that stuff that when it comes later in the year. But um, I feel like it was this, and then it was like till like September. I yeah. mean, it was like this well, record. When did Hard Knock Live come out? That came out in like, well, like June, July or, or something. And I want to say the Lauryn yeah. Hill came out in August as well. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I, but I think when I jumped on all those records, this was still going. Okay. I remember how excited everyone was to hear Money Cash Hose because it had DMX on yes, it. Yes, this is true. Yeah, I mean, this guy just took up all the airspace. What do you think it was about DMX that got everybody so excited? I think, again, we talk about images, the dog thing, right? Uh-huh. Like, his the 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 if you remember the cover art on the back the back was his back Mm -hmm. it was you know his tattoo that says like one love boomer and it's a picture of his dog you know the whole barking like a dog (laughs) the 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 images and themes on this record where it's like i'm a conflicted soul like i'm a stick-up kid but then at the same time i'm a good person i kill somebody on one record and then i pray on the next record like kind of like a Pac, right like he gave you like I'm kind of giving you hypocritical images or conflicting images, but it's because I'm a man and I'm an imperfect man. I think the almost honesty mm-hmm. of DMX, this person who's a conflicted soul that's just bearing their soul, was just like exactly what the people wanted. Do you think it's just the conflicted soul, the idea of you know someone who would be the stick-up kid but also be the nice person, mm-hmm. um, someone who might, I don't know, rape someone's daughter she's older than 15 or bd how's it going down oh i love my wife type of person like do you think it's just that conflicted soul shit or do you think it's also the fact that he was just so aggressive always had the shirt off yeah always just throwing the masculine energy in your face oh yeah that has something to do with all of that dog i mean i you know like you said like he he was like a sex symbol you know what i'm saying he was aggressive he was in your face and, you know, we talked about Puff and and Big and the bad boy thing, which I was a big fan of. A lot of people didn't like that energy. They, yeah. I mean, they made hip-hop happy, fun, party, and this guy took it to the opposite, you know, uh, with that. If you could put people on a scale from 0 to 100 on the testosterone level and just, like, line up the MCs about who, you know, comes into place, <laughs> right. without a doubt, from 
from what I can see. DMX is at the hundred. X is like a hundred ten. And exactly, I was gonna say <laughs> right. he's at the hundred, and there's there's really no one else that comes close yeah. to that level. Like I it's would just. Agree. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's a lot. It's it's almost a little uh, over the top, and yeah. I say that because, like I said, uh-huh. I did not really listen to this album at the time. Now, of course, okay. there were a bunch of songs that I heard. Yeah. Right, obviously, Rough Riders anthem, Get at Me, Dog, X is coming, Damium, How's it going down? So you pretty much stop being greedy. Heard all the and big records, and I had heard Prayer. Okay, those so those were the ones that I had heard like back in the day, right? Yeah. So I go and I listen to this album recently. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, I'm not trying to shit on this album because Mm -hmm. like this is a tribute. Mm -hmm. And it's like I said, you know, you cannot talk about 1998 without being emphatic about just how much DMX was all over the scene there. Right. But I go back and I listen to it now in 2018 and parts of this album I struggle to get through. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is because of. I don't want to call him a one-trick pony because Mm -hmm. I've heard him on do other features where you can see some of his versatility. Yeah. But on this he kind of gets a little repetitive. In mm-hmm. fact, I want to say it's like on oh, fucking with D mm-hmm. and then on oh, one of these other tracks, like he kind of puts the same rhymes together yeah. in the same kind of sequence. Yeah. Like when he talks about dark and spark, he, he <laughs> the way he does it on two different songs, yeah. he rhymes them the same exact way. And you kind of get to this like, oh, here comes the bark. Here comes the growl. Here comes the... <laughs> Let me pause while I get a little deep. And then let me go high. <laughs> Hit you when you sleep. Like, it just gets a little... You can kind of just see it coming. And I think that at the time then, I, I it's hard uh-huh. for me to really speak on it because I didn't listen to the album right. back then. Right. But I listen to it now and having, you know, 20 more years of exactly. hip-hop experience in my ears, I'm like, I think that's oh, key. He's, he's about to do this here, here, I and there. I think that's key. Uh, so the question I have for you is, uh, obviously this was a very impactful album at the time. Mm-hmm. We're giving respect to it. We're paying homage to it here. Yeah. How well do you think this album has survived through mm-hmm. the years? I think this might be one of the worst aging albums of the ones we're gonna do as classics. Okay. And I'm not gonna sit here and try to question its status as a classic. I mean, I'm even looking, we're looking at the Wikipedia page and it says it's a classic. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. you know, but I think for me personally, it's just really reflective of where I was as a human when I consumed this because mm-hmm. I went back and consumed this. And like you said, for one thing, it's very difficult to get to the end of this album. Yeah. Like it like it kind of really drags. It's an album that when I go back and I listen to the magic of the records that are really good on this album, mm-hmm. they're great. And it's like it's literally like capturing lightning in a bottle. It's mm-hmm. it's that good, right? But the low moments on the album are very very low. Like they really drag. Like you said some of the concepts are just super repetitive. Other of the concepts are just so problematic that I can't even enjoy them. You yeah. know what I mean? And so, yeah, that like this album, in my opinion, did not age well okay. as well as other classic albums, I would say. So yeah. you mentioned highlights. You mentioned lowlights. Yeah. What are they? So let's start with the highlights, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Rough Riders Anthem. And you have to, right? I love it. it you have to I still do love it. it. Um, that song, you that know, song still goes. You know what's funny for me? When Rough Riders Anthem came out and it blew up, I guess I was kind of more like you with the pun thing, you know, where you're like, well, I like this other record better. Rough Riders Anthem to me was like so obviously sing-songy and and anthemic. It's hot though. 
that I was like, uh, it's cool. It's still hot though. Everybody loved, loved, loved it. And still for me, it. I was like, it's cool. Then when Rough Riders Anthem Remix came out okay. on, uh, on the DJ Clue y'all, for the wait, professional. The, y'all dolls go and stop. Y'all dolls go. And there we go. Shut up, dog. And it had the whole crew. It had Eve and it had Drag On. And that was when I was like, I like the remix better personally. I actually don't have a preference one way or the other. I remember going to the parties and if either one of them came on i got excited for it and this is one of the few joints that was like really really commercial and everyone liked and even though i didn't necessarily like the artist or even though i didn't necessarily find the artist all that appealing as everybody else did Uh you never heard me say a negative word about rough riders it's still to this day you can still throw it on definitely i liked fucking with d Okay. And you know, just the energy, just ah, uh, right there. Get at me, dog. Yeah. I, I will never forget how this record impacted me when I first heard it. It was okay. just huge. When, when did you first hear it? So it, it says February 10th, 1998 mm-hmm. was when this came out as a single. For some reason, I feel like I heard it in 97. I remember you saying that. Is it possible yeah. that the video came out in 98 and maybe there was some, I don't know. I, I feel like it was like, it, it was like a clue tape or something that okay. I first heard it on. I also remember there was, and I talk about it a lot, there was a freestyle that was Cannabis, DMX, and Nori. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of the big joints where people were like, yo, y'all gotta hear this kid DMX, like, you know. But yeah, uh, Get At Me Dog, man, huge record. And this was the time period before we knew that Jada was gonna be the far and away star of, of, the, of locks. the locks. Right. So I feel like, you know, Sheik was still in his bag. He he still, to some degree, was like, I wanna be a rap artist. Right. <laughs> so I, I felt like he killed that. That drum was crazy. How's it going down? Cause you, you, you kinda have to. Yeah. Uh, did we get, was Mary J was in the video, right? I remember Eve was in there, but not as a star. Was it Eve? I don't remember. Eve was in the video. I remember she yeah, had short yeah, hair yeah. with the bleached blonde hair. Right. But I don't think she was a featured part of it. She was uh, just yeah. like, the, oh, well, there's, look, there's yeah, Eve. Yeah, I feel I like remember I remember some was. big cameos that, like, uh, the girls loved this record, right? You know, Joy we all crazy. liked it. It was cool. It, it was a cool you know, little, you know. You showed the streets. Um, yeah. The kids were playing around. They were busting open the, the fire hydrants. Like, it was Cal- nice. Calmar talked about how, you know, back in the day, you kind of always had to have your relationship record that yeah. that was your relationship it was record. a good, it was a good, it was a good record uh stop being greedy yeah of course i, like, I still like uh, it. anything with compelling strings we've talked yeah. about uh i yeah. love so slipping stop being greedy i really loved atf when i was a kid okay i went back and listened to it and was like it's cool right. but i don't think it's as good as i thought it was Niggas done started something. Dog. You like that joint? One of my favorite posse cuts I can of all see, time. I can, I can see that. Um, I was listening to it again. I was like, yeah. And this and is, this is this is when right. I was when I was listening to the album earlier today. I cracked open the wiki and I was like, what is this sample? And then I went back and I recreated in my mind how they sampled this record with the "Mercy Mercy Me" by, by Marvin Gaye. Mm-hmm. Dog, Dame Grease is a genius for this beat. <laughs> this shit was incredible. This is one of the best Mace verses you get on a publicly, you know, major label released album. Because we don't get much Mace murder in mainstream releases. We get him on Destined to Be, the McGruff album. We get him here at his best. Not, he not rapping about the pretty shit. He's he's just straight to business. This is the murder Mace. So that's Mace murder right there. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I, I, I think those are my, my highlights. Anything I missed? No, I don't think you missed anything. Or anything you want to add. No, there's there's nothing really to add. I mm. would say I kind of like the beat to Crime Story. Okay. But yeah, I like that too. 
the story kind of gets like, oh, that's right, you're still going on. Yeah, here. agreed. Um, I, I, that was something I wanted to say, and maybe this is where we go to our lowlights. After, you know, doing a Biggie and talking about the yeah. stories that Biggie gives us yeah. and how the vivid imagery, <laughs> this was so pedestrian yeah. as a as a counter from, from, a, from a storytelling perspective. And half the time he's not even it's telling like, the story. Yeah, or he'll be telling the story and he's just like, okay, you, you just get bored, you yeah. know, um, with no the stories. Whenever we throw out our list, our questions to our followers and say, hey, who's the best this who's the best that and whenever we talk about storytellers dmx has never been on yeah. that list like it no one ever thinks about dmx when they think about storytellers so yeah, yeah, yeah. you know it's not his strong suit but he tells a lot of stories on this yeah he does atf and, is a story uh, yeah. crime story is a story if you want to call it that what's the other story on here uh damien is a story oh, yes, da that, uh, that's not terrible damien's good i remember a lot of people liked damien too Oh, the Omen? Yeah, yeah, The one on Flesh of My, Flesh of My Blood? Right. A lot of people liked Damien uh, and The Omen when these were released. I go back and I listen to them now and I'm like, I get why people liked it. Yeah. Good concept. Mm -hmm. Could have been executed a little bit better. I, but um, I think I think it, this album needed it mm -hmm. in that X is trying to give you this whole like, I mean, he almost has this whole like, I sold my soul to the devil yeah. thing anyway, no, that's what, and, that, that's and that's, that's the, the song is. that puts it together, right? Yeah. But um, the whole like, I have a, I'm a nice guy, but I have a devil on my shoulder that tells me to do bad things, and I do bad things sometimes, but then you know, other times I do whatever. Like it, it just fits right in the lane with what this album is about. I think the problem for me, and we're not doing a make it a classic, but if I were to make this song a classic, the problem mm -hmm. is, is that we don't really see the consequence at the end. We mm -hmm. understand what the consequence is. We're kind of told in like a bar or two. Yeah, and but, but he tells you like to be continued, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's fine. But at the same time, too. <laughs> you can still finish your contained story and have a very meaningful arc even if the larger story is going to continue right. and that one three verse track you can have a better fleshed out story where yeah. the last verse is some real consequences as to who this mm. Damien character is why he wanted you to do these things and now what have you given up right. you don't really see that it's kind yeah. of implied but like right at the end, like, oh, I'm going to take your right hand because you promised me that. It's like, yeah. all right. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Okay. There should be 16 bars of this and not just a couple. Yeah. Uh, but I don't necessarily want to get into too many, like how I would make it better. Because yeah. like I said, I do respect like this, you know, this is this album's place in the hip hop list of classics. Yeah. Any other like lowlights that you really want to hone in on? It's interesting, right? Because mm -hmm. I don't necessarily want to call DMX a lowlight. <laughs> but I think that because I don't think he is a low light. I think that there He's is not. a place for hip hop. Uh, there's a place for DMX in hip hop. There's definitely okay. a place for him at the table. But when I go back and I listen to it now, the fact that people were really excited about him, both the young boys and the young girls, right. there's a lot of problematic material oh, out yeah. here that I don't think we really acknowledged at the time. Like when we were listening yeah. to Dre and Snoop, we all knew it was problematic stuff, but yeah. we liked it anyway. Uh -huh. When we're listening to this album, I think there's a lot of things that when you're a 15 and 16 year old kid, mm. even if you could say that, oh, these other misogynistic images, these other problematic images, mm. you know, you recognize that they're there, but they're not really affecting you the same way. I don't think mm. we really recognize they were there at the time. Yeah. And even on things like the prayer and mm -hmm. combo, 
is kind of like I, I think the problem that I have with this album is that you're boasting about doing all this bad shit and it's not in the necessarily in a braggadocious way you're trying to be real you're talking about your conflicted soul but the idea that oh all of a sudden then you can have a track where you're praying and saying these good things and all of a sudden you're supposed to ignore everything else is kind of like why would we not necessarily honor this I don't think that's the right word but why would we lift this up and praise this as if this is like you know the, the the type of dog that you want it's just kind of maybe I'm too much of an old curmudgeon going back and I'm, and I'm listening to it and I'm thinking about it but the way the album kind of comes together at the end with the prayer and the convo I feel it I understand that it's heartfelt but it's almost like guys this is not something that we should be praising I think the honesty is what captivated people um, you look at video. I've never actually. That's a lie. I've seen him twice. I've seen him live, and I've also seen video of him in his prime live. Mm -hmm. And I mean, just a super compelling performer. Sure. Uh, somebody who will go out there, just take the shirt off his back, and just give you him. Yeah. You know. I mean, now you look at Ianla Fix My Life, and you look at the fact that he's been going to jail yeah. back and forth all these yeah. years, and you know he he's back on drugs. Like this person was giving you. This was like a, a, you're the psychiatrist and you're you're sitting there and he's sure. laying on the couch and he's telling you about all of his shit like and now we've watched all of this play out and we see that it was obviously problematic because it led to yeah. the DMX that we have now mm -hmm. right so I mean as a piece of art you know it's almost like a cautionary tale yeah you know I would um, I would agree with that yeah and as like I said to clarify I'm not it's not that I think the DMX is a low light on here. Mm. It's more so the reaction to him. Like I remember yeah. him being considered a sex symbol, and I understand that you know, fifteen-year-old, sixteen-year-old kids are dumb. Right, I get that. Right. I don't want to be an ageist, but whatever. <laughs> We're not smart at that age. Right. But the idea that this is someone who we should model ourselves after is yeah. really fucking stupid. Yeah, for sure. And that to me is the low light. Mm. That idea is yeah. so the fact that people reacted to him in the way that they did i mm -hmm. look back at it now and i'm kind of like guys we need to do better and and i don't know whose fault it is mm. i don't know but i just know that there is a lot of stuff on here that it's just like that, that we could really yeah. talk about yeah i mean we don't have to go super in depth no, but i, I mean we should but like rape is actually mentioned on this album like yeah, by name he straight up says uh like, if you have if your daughter's over 15 year old 15 years old i'm a raper right. like that's not cool in any universe, but, not but even in 1998. But, but let's also not pretend like Biggie, yeah. you know, hasn't also mentioned rape by did. name. You know he what did. I mean? So other folks that we we put on a pedestal, I think, like you said, we're just fucking dumb because we're kids. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, that's how he wants to put his art out there. I don't think you can put something that's that hateful out today and and no, you know it be accepted. So. Which is a good thing. So, yeah, you that's a good that. thing. I guess we've evolved as a society a bit. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so lowlights I want to talk about. Um, sure, please do. Is I feel like Carlos gives it the '90s album uh, excuse, but there's too many skits on here. Okay, you know these are the skits of the Rough Rider variety, right? We talk about how DMX is just like a ball of testosterone, um, <laughs> and these skits are just unnecessarily testosterone-laden, you yeah. know, rants where it's just like. Oh, yo, DMX robbed too many niggas. Yo, you need to stay in school. I'm going to slap you up, son. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, just like skits that... The prayer, I think, needs to stay because it became... Oh, obviously a, a, it needs to stay. It, it became something important to his narrative. You know, with the um, exception of maybe a few lines here and there, and, yeah. you know, the rape one 
being obviously a line that just didn't need to be in there. Even though I think that there's problematic content on here. I wouldn't necessarily change anything just because, you know, the art does stand where it is and there are things to learn from it. There are things to take from it. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily change anything, it's, especially yeah. because this album was so pivotal. Right? Yeah, I think uh, some some of the skits are unnecessary. Sure. Like like maybe sure. all of the skits except for the, the prayer were unnecessary. Um, I'm not even sure if I would consider the prayer skit. I understand yeah, why it is a skit, skit yeah. but when we, as we talk about skits, it's not yeah. really a skit. And the more his, the more the DMX thing moved on, it became like his Jane or like his Superman lover. It became his common theme that connected all of his albums. So um, definitely would would keep that one. What else? It's funny, right? I think niggas done started something is one of the greatest posse cuts. For what I define as a posse cut, and Yinka um, is serious about his and posse I cuts. love posse cuts. Yes, he does. Um, but by Calmont's definition, it's not a posse cut. The posse cut on here would be for my dogs. Yeah, and I actually, with the exception of Drag On, who obviously we saw a lot more of later, I didn't love the people that he had on that. Record. Have we heard so, of any of them um, since? Casino was on a couple of things. I think he was on the Belly soundtrack and the oh, soundtrack it? for one other movie. Okay. Um, in in the late '90s, but no, not really. <laughs> so yeah, I guess that his boys. I'm not a huge fan of. Like you said, some of the stories, and I, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to pile on, but uh, you know, dope album that I think its impact is more important than the the content exactly. of the material itself. That's where that's exactly how yeah. I feel. Yeah. When's the last time you listened to this album? Man, I didn't realize how long it's been. Yeah. It, like it's been a really long time. I've actually even listened to the sequel. What was the second album? Flesh of My Flesh. Flesh of My Blood. Flesh. I've actually listened to Flesh of My Flesh more recently than I listened to this album. So when we went back to listen to this album, we decided we were gonna cover it. I decided to for some context, let me listen to Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood as well. Yeah. And I thought I was gonna hate it. And I actually like that album more than I like this. Yeah. It's definitely aged a little bit better. We get a little mm -hmm. bit more Swiss beats. You also have, actually pretty strong on that album. Yeah. You also have <clears throat> Jay, Jay yes. to Kiss. You know what I'm saying? Some yes. of the, the great that, features that, there. That cut with those oh, is, is, is ridiculous. Yeah, that's just crazy. So when we do the quarterly report for, when did that album come out? November, right? Yeah, it was at the end of the year. Yeah. So when we do that, we'll, we'll cover that album probably yeah. a little bit, probably a little bit more. But yeah. Yeah. I just remember that he came on the scene. Mm. You know, I think the first time I had really seen him was the 24 Hours to Live video uh, yeah. where he is in, I think that's the one where he's in the orange jumpsuit. Yeah, they're in a jumpsuit. And, and he's in the mud or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. I think that was the first time I had seen DMX. Oh, okay. So then he has, you know, where my dog's at, Rough Riders Anthem. We get the bikes everywhere. Yeah. You know, DMX is holding down the summer. Mm -hmm. And he hits the end of 98 and okay flesh my flesh blood my blood is still Huge. there then you have and then there was x which i haven't listened to i'm not going to listen to i hear i never heard it no was that album any good i think it was the beginning of the end of peak dmx yeah. um and i think from that perspective you should definitely hear it i think both of the or at least at the time i thought both of these two albums were much better than mm -hmm. it Again, there's some flashes, some high flashes. Well, I remember at the time when, and then the There Was X came out, I right. knew, I was like, yeah, we're never going to hear from DMX again after this. And yeah, his mm -hmm. single, I, I I just, I could just tell. His uh, single, though. You talking about Party Up or the other one? Uh, what y'all niggas want? 
No, not that one. What yeah, these the bitches want from a nigga? He had three big records on it. Oh yeah, party up. Yeah, I knew. You know, that was a really, really big hit, which yeah. I I did didn't not like. like. I didn't like it at yeah. all. But you always heard it. But I could just tell. I was like, yeah, he's he's done after this mm-hmm. um, because he didn't necessarily evolve. Mm-hmm. You know, Andre three thousand has always evolved. Right. Jay Z has always evolved. They've always kind of you know matured their style and and gone in new directions, given us something new. Mm-hmm. Um, Nas never really did that but i'm not sure if he ever really needed to mm-hmm. just because you know he was so smooth he anyway. just jumped on other people's joints to give you a radio single and then kept it moving right yeah but dmx was someone that is like yo at some point people are kind of kind of get tired of of the mm-hmm. style and i think that's exactly what happened mm-hmm. i'm curious though you were telling me about some interview i think it was with irv gotti mm-hmm. it was with somebody talking about jay-z and how the volume two hard knock life put came together mm-hmm. and that initially jay-z was supposed to get on something with dmx but jay-z wasn't really feeling that he doesn't wasn't really feeling dmx all that much and or swiss beats for that matter and then boom as dark as hell as hot comes on and everyone's loving it and then he's like all right i need to get swiss beats and dmx on my album i don't is think this, it was that this... way it was so the way it was was uh irv Gotti talked about this and i think some people actually called him a hater for it but if you go back and listen i, I mean it's like directly in line he talked about how um big blew up right and so you know jay called puff and when he did volume one, he wanted Puff to give him a big album. Right. And then when DMX blew up, then, you know, he called Lior and Irv and was like, I want a DMX album. And so he, you know, he want, he tried to get Swiss Beats. I think he only got Swiss on one or two records on there. Mm-hmm. But uh, he really tried to emulate both of them in their peak success. Okay. Um, so I think it, it kind of took a while. I, I really feel like, and, and this is just me and people can get mad, but... I really feel like the experimentation on volume three was the first time we got Jay-Z kind of stepping out and trying to create what the sound of Jay-Z himself is. I could see that. And then we got Blueprint and obviously. Well, you know, before that we yeah, got Rock La Familia. Yeah, which was supposed to be actually a, a posse album. And then he liked some of the records too much, so he made it to Jay-Z. Yo, I, and, I, I, and I like Rock La Familia. There's some, there's there some crazy some stuff on, on that album. Yeah, I think sure. that you, me, him, and her is on that. Oh my gosh, yeah. And one Hustler, and Hustler. You know, I mean, there's some, but then there's some duds on there you know some real it is what it is (laughs) but uh but yeah so that that was what i was saying with regards to this this is another album where businessman jay-z is is sitting back trying to create what he wants to be as a large uh successful legacy he sees what's going on with dmx and rough riders and he and he decides he wants to do that we're kind of talking about things that were byproducts of this album, yeah. But we didn't really talk about Rough Riders. Were you were you a fan when the when Volume One came out and they introduced Eve and Drag On and Jada and that, you know? No, you weren't a fan of that. Was not. But so, I did like so Down was, Bottom with Juvenile. Down Bottom was so yeah. so at the time it was Cash Money and Rough Riders like the, on top of the world. We're talking yeah. like '99. Yeah. Where you 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 didn't like either? No, I was okay. into Wu Tang. This is one of the it's one of the other reasons why I got clowned a lot in high school in terms of being a Wu Tang fan. It's like right. we've got Rough Riders. We we have cash money we have no limit why are you still listen to method man you know that's pretty much like the attitude a lot of folks has that's fine. yeah so i was not really feeling rough riders mm-hmm. didn't dislike them they just didn't do it for me okay i feel like the the record that was the intro to that that volume one the rough riders what the rough riders which was a remake of the headbanger which at the time i didn't know by mm-hmm. epmd but um 
was like when I became a Rough Riders fan because it had it had the locks on it, yeah. it had Drag on it, it had Eve on it, it had DMX on it, you know. And DMX was almost just a just a feature on that album. He yeah. was only on like three cuts on the whole album, um, and so you got to really see everybody. And I think they did a really good job of introducing everybody. Obviously, Swiss really took the helm and mm-hmm. became the, the the guy, the face of it uh, from a production perspective, but. It all comes back to this album, man. You know, um, yeah, I think so. I, I feel like when Rough Riders Anthem came out, I didn't even know Rough Riders was a thing. Like I, I didn't know they were a thing. Like either. I thought it was just a label. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Rough Riders Anthem came out, and they came out with the with the four wheelers, the ATVs, yeah, and, yeah. and then it, Rough Riders became a thing. When he gave you that picture, that was all it needed, and it just skyrocketed. After yeah, that. the the Rough Riders imagery was everywhere. Um, yeah, so yeah, I gotta yeah. I gotta give it to him for that. Yeah. Uh, where was what was the first time you heard DMX though? I know Get At Me Dog, and I'm trying to decide if it was a free like a radio freestyle or Get At Me Dog. It okay. was one, well, it was one of the two. Twenty Four Hours to Live was out before Get At Me Dog, wasn't it? I don't think so. Was it? Uh, well, I mean, Mace's album came out at the end of '97, mm. so I'm trying to remember. Well, so I, I mean, I definitely heard him on that, but I mean, Get At Me Dog came out February 10th. 1998 I definitely heard Get At Me Dog before I heard 24 Hours to Live because by the time DMX was on Mace's album Mm -hmm. I was already a full-blown DMX fan I got you yeah have you ever heard the early early DMX stuff like what what stuff like the stuff where he really sounds like Rakim I'm talking about stuff like from 91 so he talked about that and people talked about that but I've never heard I've heard him yeah he you could tell he's definitely trying to sound like okay Rakim in fact if you go through early DMX's career, he kind of tries to sound like different people throughout the way. On the Mike Geronimo, it's time to build. He's on there with Jay-Z, uh, an early Ja Rule. And he closes out the song. And for me, he kind of sounds like Sticky Fingers. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, the evolution of DMX was, you know, kind of finding someone else's style that he liked who would work well with his personality. And then we kind of get to 97 and 98 and we start to hear the real DMX. In fact, he's got some other unreleased tracks. I forget the names of them, but but I was listening to them. This is material that you could tell came out before this album. Probably like later at Tail End of 96, 97. And he has some some, some dope joints, um, some good bars there. Um, But I feel like, you know, when he found his style, when he found what was working for him, I almost think it's just a little too much, you know? A little too much as in... Just like I said, it's, it's almost like he's a one-trick pony. You yeah, know, you kind of, you're kind of, you kind of know what you're gonna get from one track to the next. Yeah, that's fair. One of the things that I wanted to highlight as well, uh, this week earlier this week, I was listening to an album. I'm definitely gonna force you to listen to for okay. a solid week, uh, which is uh, Slum Village, uh, Fantastic Two. Right, I've heard, and, I've gotten through. You and Panama were trashing it on that. That's not true. That's not true. I hadn't heard it at but, the uh, time. I've gotten through about half but, of it. There's some joints on there yeah, that I like. The production on that is incredible. But um, there's some mention that Dilla has on there, and he's talking about um, you know, niggas out here grunting and shit. Mm-hmm. And then that took me back to Common's album, like Water for Chocolate, where he's yeah. also making mention of DMX specifically. He's actually since said that he went back and apologized to both Missy and DMX, who he low key, um, you know, he says something about niggas out here grunting. And then he says, uh, back to back LPs that sound the same. I surround the game with a full pound. He's talking about DMX for sure. And it just reminded me that, you know, 
some of what I'll call the underground, the you know, the less mainstream artists really resented DMX's style and what he was bringing to the table, you know, around the time that he really, really blew up and was running the game. So that's also interesting because we go back and we look at these things in hindsight. And obviously DMX is one of the most probably influential artists of this time. Mm-hmm. You look at, I forget who it was, some, some rapper that's out now that I probably don't even like. Um, they asked that person who their top three favorite MCs of all time was. Yeah. And DMX was on their list. Okay. But, uh, you know, so very influential artist and history remembers very fondly. But then you go back and you put yourself in the time frame and everybody didn't love this the same way everybody didn't love Bad Boy and, yeah. you know, whatever else. So that's interesting. Of the two, <clears throat> you mentioned Biggie and Pac at the top of the show. Mm-hmm. Of the two, the void that they left, who do you think left the bigger void for DMX? I know what my answer is. I'm curious what you think. Who left the bigger void? That like, allowed someone like DMX. Oh, come on. Pac. Yeah. Like, like quite obviously, right? And Pac and then Ja Rule both like, yeah. like fought to fill in that you Oh, know, you that mean uh, DMX and Ja Rule? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. DMX and Ja Rule fell, you know, both tried to jump in. I don't know if you remember, but there was a radio interview in the early 2000s where Ja Rule said he he was Pac reincarnated and all this other wow. extra shit. So, yeah, uh, he was on a lot of ecstasy at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but, yo, yeah. Early Ja Rule was hard, yo. Oh, yeah. That first album. Oh, yeah. And the, the DMX features on that album. Yeah. And the J. And the J. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's actually something that I kind of wish we had gotten. The, the original Murder, Inc., which was a rap group, mm-hmm. if they had actually really put a project together. Remind the audience who was supposed to be in that original project. It was uh, DMX, Jay-Z, and Ja Rule. Oh. Executive produced by Irv Gotti. Yes, that yeah. is correct. And that song, It's Murder, was actually like supposed to be like them uniting so you could see the potential of the group. Do you um, think that really would have worked, though? I cannot see Jay-Z. According to Irv, he said no. He said yeah. that he was. He said that like after '98, when they all started to really blow up, mm-hmm. he said he couldn't really get DMX and Jay Z on the same page. Obviously, everybody who's like a real hip hop, like crazy hip hop nerd, like myself, knows that Jay Z and DMX battled, mm-hmm. and that somebody has a tape somewhere. Supposedly, as the lore goes, Big L was the one holding the camera when they mm-hmm. battled each other. And so, you know, there's this battle that there's a tape that supposedly somebody has somewhere like in a vault or something of the two of them battling. And they both had mutual respect. Of course, each of their camps say that they won the battle. But, um, you know, I think at that point in time, they both were, you know, really well known in their circles and they had like a lot of respect. But as they both kind of got to a level of stardom, yeah. it seems as though like they never really would have been on the same page. Like, I don't think so. I don't see how really a marriage like that them. works. I do know the one freestyle that I've seen with them is the one where it was the Hard Knock Live Tour. I think that was the Hard Knock Live Tour. That was the oh, one you're we, talking about when they were backstage? backstage? Yeah, the, the backstage freestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, DMX rips it. There's also a Murdergram uh, freestyle. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. that. I haven't heard that one. Is it, I'll, I'll play it for you when we, if we, when we wrap the show. But uh, Murdergram, they killed. It's Murder, they killed. Yeah. Uh, kill them all. Yeah. Uh, on on the Ja Rule. So yeah. I mean, every time you had these people together, it was just it was magic. But like you said, I don't know that they're gonna sit there and respect each other enough to really put a, a project together. Irv wanted it to happen. Though. 
I can see why Irv would want that to happen. We all anybody would. I would want to listen to it, but yeah, I just can't see how that would work. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, to what Ja Rule evolved into, he definitely wouldn't fit the mold to to make an album with the other two. I think that's what annoyed me most about Ja Rule was (laughs) just that I remember almost kind of rooting for Ja Rule when he came out and Mm. then all the soft poppy radio hits came out I'm like why am I listening to this you know what though like first of all Irv Gotti is one of my favorite people to listen to talk about hip hop he's very passionate obviously Mm. Um, he's very confident too he's been a part of a lot of moments so he has a lot of great insight to things that happened in the background and stuff like that like you said he's very confident and like to the degree of like, you know, when people remember back when I was in college, I scored 100 points a game. You know what I mean? Like, he yeah. sometimes, it seems like he puts extras on it, but I still yeah. really, really love to hey, hear him We all got to put stuff. extras on it, you know? You got to um, tell the story, man. Got to engage the listener. <laughs> but, uh, but when he talks about that time frame, one of the things that he says was, you know, he was like, if you want to be successful, which I agree, in music... You can't give people what's already there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think what he's saying is is really true, right? Like, there almost came a time where, like, DMX and Ja Rule were trying to occupy the same space. Yeah. And, I mean, we all know in physics, it's just impossible. You can't mm-hmm. occupy the same space. And so at a certain point in time, like, it kind of has to, something has to give. Yeah. And so I think, you know, his decision was, let's just just completely go all the way out to, to try to get get make music for women and let everybody else come to us which tupac was the original artist that had said that you know mm-hmm. publicly and they did and it worked for them so. it worked for them no doubt we don't like the music but, i didn't like it yeah, yeah. We, but, but I, mean, I respect them for doing yeah. it because obviously it did work for ja Rule. i'd be an idiot to say that it didn't <laughs> right but yeah, I just I just didn't like it. It didn't yeah. excite me at all. Right. And no suburban white teenage girls are gonna tell us about the murder gram freestyle or <laughs> kill 'em all or whatever was on his first album, holla holla. Like they're not talking about that. But yeah. yet these other records are still being played. So So, you know, that's kinda all I have for this one. Yeah, man, I, I'm actually a little sad that we couldn't be more congratulatory about this album. I will say, though, Dame Grease really put his foot in this album mm-hmm. and, you know, and it gave us a superstar. And I'm, I'm really happy that, you know, we got this album because it, it definitely made a major impact on hip hop. I think for all the 80s babies out there, all the fans of 90s hip hop music, if somehow you missed this album like I did at the time because, you know, your head was in the ground or... And, has somewhere else not paying attention. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is definitely an album that you need to go back and listen to. Even though we're we haven't spoken as highly about it as some of the other albums we pay tribute to, mm. it's still necessary listening. Mm. Like I said numerous times, I'll say it again: you cannot talk about 1998 mm. without discussing DMX. He was that big, and even though mm. you know Jay Z got the Grammy you know four times platinum even though outcast gave us a quimini lauren hill sold all the records imaginable yeah, exactly. even though big pun just killed us lyrically with like we didn't know that was possible right it doesn't matter like the imagery that dmx had yeah uh the, the imagery that dmx put forth like it was just it was everywhere you if know you, it, it carried over to the belly movie he was the yes, forefront of that yes you know which we'll talk about uh because the 20th year that's coming up man that's that's exciting yeah, look at I, I love that movie belly i want offended every chance it's the I best get. movie about nothing ever <laughs> uh, one of the things that uh irv always says when you hear him talking about you know how much he loved being a part of this album is um 
he says that he executive produced the Get At Me Dog music video. Mm -hmm. And if you remember, the music video is like kind of like in black and white and it's kind of like grainy and hard to see and it's yeah. him at the tunnel. And he like comes out and then, you know, all the dudes are going crazy in the crowd and everything. Which takes me back to who I was as a child seeing that and mm -hmm. being like, yo, that's crazy. Me listening to stories about the tunnel now, yeah. I would never fucking want to be in the tunnel, <laughs> dog. Like, I listen to like Nori and, and, and Irv and all these guys tell stories about the tunnel. Yeah, you had to be there at least 30 deep because, you know, security wasn't checking. Niggas all had their burners. You know, you get your box cutter right. You know, whatever, whatever. He's ta uh, not, uh, Nori's talking to Havoc. He's like, yeah, you know. He's like, remember back in the tunnel, you had to get your ice grill right. Because, you know, if you was in the tunnel and you smiled, a nigga might just punch you in your face just for no reason. Yeah, man, the tunnel. That was crazy. I miss those days. Dog, I don't fucking miss those days <laughs> at all. I don't know why I wanted to go to the tunnel when I was a kid. But I do remember saying around the time when Funk Flex and, and this and all those joints are out. I don't know if you remember the term tunnel banger. But... Where there were certain records that had that like that get at me dog type energy, that like masculine energy that it was like, oh, that's a tunnel banger. Like mm -hmm. we would say that I was in California talking about tunnel bangers. I've never been to the tunnel. Nobody that I knew had ever been to the tunnel. But somehow we knew what the atmosphere was in the tunnel. And that's just how well they conveyed the image of what this DMX tough guy joint was supposed to be. So a lot of respect to them for like really conveying that image you know mm -hmm. any thoughts on that no i <laughs> was familiar with the term tunnel banger but i never i i don't listen to as many of these interviews as you do right. so i you know I, I never got all that and plus you heard people talk about the tunnel though right sure yeah, yeah. Funk yeah Master sure. it was all over funk master flex oh, alive with the tunnel you know yeah. blah 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 but like that stuff like never I never listened to that and actually pictured myself there. Uh, man, yeah. when I was a kid, like I pictured, I, like I romanticized New York. Like it looked, it looked a certain way in my head just because I listened to so much New York hip hop that yeah, I that thought I'd like. I knew the differences between the boroughs. I knew, you know, whatever. So it's just funny. I think these cats as storytellers and as conveyors of their culture some of them do a great i mean nas obviously yeah. you know certain cats do an excellent job to where if you really want to you can put yourself there mentally just mm -hmm. by, based on the stories that they tell yeah that so. was that was never one of any of the things that i did <laughs> well this was a tunnel banger i feel you all right. Uh, anything else? Or you want to close it out? No, nah, I think we can uh, close it out. All right. Yo, shout out to DMX, man. Hold your head. Yeah, Hopefully man. everything, you know, pans out. Like I, DMX is somebody who, I mean, we we obviously talked a lot about the music, but in terms of his personal life, mm -hmm. he's had a lot of struggles. Yes. He's somebody that I really, really hope comes out on top of those I struggles because, you know, I... This is not funny. It is not meant to be said in jest or anything like that. But a couple years ago, he performed with Swiss Beats at Art Basel. Um, Art Basel in Miami, there was a lot of different events going on um, this particular night. And it was a night where most of the time, like all, me and all the homies were all staying in different hotels. So we would go to pretty much the same event, the same big event each night. But this particular Saturday night, there was four or five huge events. There was like Manny Fresh was doing an event here. This person was doing an event there. And DMX was headlining at one joint. And I told my friends, I was like, I don't care what everybody else's shit is. I'm going to the DMX mm -hmm. and Swiss Beats. And they're like, you know, you're not trying to bounce around or anything like that. And I was like, well, they act crazy at the door. I need to make sure I'm there. And they're like, why? And I was like, 
with X, like you kind of never know when his last show is gonna be. Like I mm. feel like I really want to see this because it might be my last opportunity to see him. And I don't say that in being funny. I don't say that in any other way. It's a it's a tragic story. Yeah. And um, you know, if you ever get a chance to or have had a chance to see DMX, you know he's an incredible performer. And you know he's somebody who also has a lot of demons, and yeah. the hope is just that he, he comes out on top of those things. So. Yeah, I don't have anything to add to that, but I do mm. agree 100. percent Yeah. So anyway, tune in for the next one. Mm-hmm. Don't know what that is, but it's going to be something positive. Check it out. Peace. Peace. I've been eating long enough now. Stop being greedy. Just keep it real, partner. Give to the needy. Ribs is touching, so don't make me wait. Fuck around and I'm gonna bite you. Snatch the plate. I can flip that flow. I can stick that hoe. I can get that dough. Give to the needy, uh-huh. bibs is touching, so don't make